You are listening to Discovery Church Podcast. So we are in our second week of our series, Wisdom. And uh, there's a million things that we could literally talk about on a Sunday morning. A million topics that we can uh, talk about. But uh, we, we came acro- I came across this verse in Proverbs chapter 19, and it kind of just sums it up uh, for me right now. It says this, Proverbs 19, verse 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Oh, I'm, excuse me, Proverbs 4, verse 7, getting wisdom is the most important thing you can do. Getting wisdom is the most important thing that you can do. And I read that and I'm like, okay, sold. Good enough for me. That's all I need to know. I just need to pursue wisdom. And it goes on to say, whatever else you get, get insight. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, get some. Turn to your second choice. Don't be offended and be like, yo, get some. Get some wisdom. And so like I said last week, we talked about the fear of the Lord. Um, Excuse me, that sometimes, uh, depending on how you grew up, that fear of the Lord, it it has you walking on eggshells. You're kind of scared, like that God is just going to squash you like a bug, right? Um, But but it's this idea, this declaration that God is, uh, when when the fear of God is found in us, uh, saying, God, you are so awesome, you are so holy, and you are so right. And and so we're really using that, that foundation of, um, the fear of the Lord to lead us into what we're going to talk about today. And that's found in Proverbs 19, verse 23. Uh, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. How many of you guys would love to just rest content? This morning we're talking about how we rest content. Uh, There's two different circles that I have been a part of thus far in my 28 years of living. Uh, I'm just kidding. That was a joke, no? Okay, anyways. Uh, So there's a a group, a circle of of friends that I have who don't have kids, and then there's another circle of people uh, that, that, that have kids and, um, and one thing, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, well, trust me, there, there's this thing uh, that parents do, uh, when, especially with newborn babies. I actually just asked this question this morning, which is crazy. But, but with newborns, you, you, how is your baby sleeping? How is your baby sleeping? Right? Like when you're a parent, you, you kind of, uh, you understand that sleep is minimal, Right, and, and, and so I love, I love, I was actually having a conversation the other day with a buddy, he just had a, a little girl, um, and, and I was like, so how's your baby sleeping? And he's like, oh, you know, she kind of wakes up all the time, and, and I'm like, oh, man, that stinks, my son. <laughs> I'm like, my son wakes up once a night, and, and I get a good amount of sleep, he's probably up by seven, and it's all good, and and I'm like, pray, right? And so that's just one circle. And then I go to another circle of people who don't have parents, who, who aren't married, who could sleep until 12. <clears throat> and I'm like, I'm, and I'm talking to them about sleep, and they're like, oh, man, that stinks. I just had 12 hours of sleep. I woke up at noon. <laughs> I went to bed 
at seven. I'm like, I'm like, what? And it's amazing how one moment I could be content with the sleep that I got. And then all of a sudden with a certain group of people, I'm like, ooh, I hate you, right? <laughs> I don't really hate them. But, but it's this idea of contentment, of learning how to be content, being able to rest content. Um, I think really when I was looking at, at this idea of talking about contentment, um, I think off the, like just right off the bat, like that word contentment sometimes feels like a bad word. This idea like, have, like when you're like, oh, I'm just content and someone looks at you like, mm, so you're not driven, <laughs> right? Like, but, but, but this word content, like I love the definition of it. It says, or it's literally a state of happiness and satisfaction. So there's nothing wrong with being content, when you can learn to be content, that means that you can, you're happy, you're satisfied. And, and, and the author of Proverbs, King Solomon, he said that we can rest content. I think that's amazing. And so one, one area in life that I think that a lot of us struggle with, myself included, is the area of contentment. I think if we're honest, there's this little bug that, that bites us called comparison. And, and sometimes this, this bug comparison, it, it really robs us of the ability to be content. Is that true? <coughs> Excuse me. And so really comparison, it starts this cycle. Comparison's a cycle. And here's how comparison starts. If, if you're taking notes, this is uh, your first blank. Comparison starts with the wrong perspective. The wrong perspective. Does anybody like movies in here, like going to the movies? I love going to the movies. I, one person, thank you. <laughs> uh, I love going to the movies. I I'm one of those people that I love getting the popcorn right? But getting like the extra butter. I love the reading cinema because you can pump it yourself. And, um, and so, so I love going to the movies. Um, I just recently started doing the icy thing. And so I'll do the popcorn and then the icy and then a Diet Coke, right? Because I don't want to drink my calories. <laughs> the icy's frozen chill, okay? And so here I am. I'm at, I'm at the movies. And I'm a big superhero, Marvel superhero, like, person. I love watching Marvel. And, and so I remember uh, one day my wife and I were on a date, and we were going to go watch uh, Thor. And, and here I am. I got my, my popcorn. I got my icy. I got my Diet Coke because I'm watching my, 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 my figure. And, and, and so <clears throat> we're, we're watching Thor, and, and I'm just like, right, like, just Eating my popcorn, loving it, right? And then all of a sudden, so let me let me back up. I'm eating my popcorn. I'm 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 happy at where I'm at in life. Okay, I'm eating, and all of a sudden, Thor comes up, and I don't I don't even know why he does it, but he like takes off his shirt, and like I'm like, 
<laughs> Woo, I put that bad boy down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I bet you Thor never ate this. <laughs> like all of a sudden, like I'm pushing it. <laughs> but it's amazing what perspective does with your contentment. I was completely fine until I looked at the screen and saw this guy with a 12-pack <laughs> and a tan. And I was like, mm. See, what comparison does, the first part of comparison, is it makes you believe what you have is not good enough. It makes you feel like what you have is not good enough. And when that happens, when you begin to look and, and begin to believe that what you have is not good enough, then the second cycle of comparison kicks in, and it's this, the wrong presumption. That's number two. And here's what that says. It says, all I need is this one more thing, and I'll be happy. So comparison, it starts with the perspective that what I have is not good enough. But, number two, the presumptive, is if I only had that, then I will finally be happy. Right? We see that all around billboards and ads and marketing. You're one happiness away from, or you're one car away from happiness. You're, you're one decision away to being the happiest you've ever been. You're one more, and it really gets us to think and to feel like, man, I know I'm missing something. I know what I have is not enough. And maybe, just maybe, if I get this one thing, maybe I'll be content. But here's the thing with comparison, and you know this as well as I do, is that comparison's a moving target, isn't it? Because as soon as you get what you thought you wanted, you start to see something else. You're like, oh, wait a second. No, no, no. That's what I really want. I mean, we've all been there, right? We've all been there. We were all content with the baloney when we were starving until we realized that there's something better than baloney. We were super content with our 1982 Honda Accord until we saw our classmate pull up with a 2018. And it's this moving target of comparison. And it's this vicious cycle. It's this vicious cycle of having the wrong perspective, of not thinking we have what we have is good enough. And then it moves on to being presumptive, this idea that if I only had this one more thing, that, that I will be happy. And then all of a sudden, this vicious cycle happens. And before you know it, you begin to look at what you don't have and never really appreciate what you do have. You see, we see this cycle taking place in a parable that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 20. It's, a, it's a, an amazing parable. 
of uh, this landowner. And Jesus, so he's gathering everyone around. He's telling them a parable. He said, there was this landowner that one day he went to town. And in town, he, he was looking to hire a couple of workers. And he found a group of workers looking for some work. Obviously, a group of workers looking for some work, right? That's what they do. And, and, and so uh, the landowner, he goes up to these guys and he's like, hey, I will give you a full day's wage if you come work for me. And they're like, yeah, awesome. A full day's, yeah, of course. So they go to work for him. Uh, Jesus, he continues to tell this parable. And, uh, and, and the, he, Jesus says that the landowner, he goes to town again. And he sees another group of people looking for some work. And he goes up to them and he's like, hey, do you need work? I'll hire you. And they're like, yeah. So they go back. He brings them. And so uh, the landowner, he does this a total of five times. And they're working. It's a hard day's work. And, and, and they're, they're getting their job done. And, and then all of a sudden, they're finally done. The, 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 the day ends and it's about time to, for the landowner to pay them. And so what, what the landowner does, he lines them up, and the Bible says that he, he started to pay the, the, pers- the, the group of people that he brought last, he paid them first. And so he's like, he pays them a full day's wage, and they only worked a couple hours. Could you imagine that? That'd be like, wow, that's so awesome. And then he went down to the next group. He paid them a full day's wage. Jesus, sir. If I was of people that, 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 that were hired the first time, I would be excited. Like if they're getting a full day's wage, I can't imagine for me because I worked the entire day. And so he goes down the line and all of a sudden he gets to the last group of people. And uh, the landowner, he, he gives them the, uh, their payment. And it's the same as he paid everyone else. And they looked. And the Bible says they, they began to get angry. They were like, um, excuse me. I worked all day. And uh, you, you paid me the same amount as, as, as them. What's up? And I love, I love uh, the landowner's response. <coughs> Excuse me. And he says it in, uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 20 and verse uh, 13. The landowner's like, this is what you agreed to. Like, this, this is, when I, when I hired you, you were like, yeah, that's, that's fine. I, I'll receive that. But what's interesting is what shifted was when those group of people, the first group of people, they looked at what they had and they looked at what everyone else was getting. And then all of a sudden, that's when comparison came in. And so maybe you're here today and, and maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you have a hard time being content. Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you're always comparing what you have to what other people have. And it's just this idea of, of, man, I'm never, ever content. And what you've discovered, if this is you, 
You, you know how draining that really is. For you, but also for the people around you, it's just draining. And so I have good news for you because within this story, uh, Jesus, or within this story, I want to pull three things out of it, uh, three secrets of contentment that really will show us how we can rest content, like what King Solomon said in Proverbs. And so here is the first one for all you note takers. So uh, number one, focus on what you have. Focus on what you have. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 10. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. We kind of just talked about this, but this idea that these people, the first group, they, they were excited. You would imagine when the landowner came and was like, hey, are you looking for, for work? And they're like, yes, yes, I am. Like, if that was me, I'd be excited. And you're going to pay me a full day's wage? That's awesome. I'm excited. And they're excited until, again, they came and the landowner paid them the same amount. There's so many times in my life, personally, where I'm not looking at what I have. I'm not appreciating what I have. Because rather than me looking down in my hands, I'm always like, looking like that. And it's this idea that, that if we want to rest content, we have to learn, we got to understand that, that, that we can't shift our heads we got to be looking at what we have. Now, I get it. I get it. There's, there's some of us in here, there's different levels of stuff that we have, right? Like, I get it. I understand. But I think even in its simplest form, we can be appreciative. We can be content with the small things, with, with, with what we have, and, and just trying to understand and trying to, to be okay with, Focusing on what we have, on what we have. And here's number two. Y'all are going to get out early today. <laughs> Whoo! Uh, number two, understand that it's all God's. Understand that it's all God's. My screen out here is broken, so I got to look up here. Understand it's all God's. Matthew, uh, continuing on this story, chapter or verse 13. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? I love that. The swagger of the landowner. Can I do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others. 
because I am kind to others. Here's uh, my, my kids and my daughter. Um, she, she's at this age now where she's just wanting what her brother has. And, um, and, and so it's this hard thing because she's always like, she says uh, something along, along the lines of like, but it's not fair. I'm like, I'll tell you what's not fair. <laughs> but, but, but there's times when she's, uh, where, where I'm like, I'll give her brother something. And she's like, but it's not fair. And I'm like, wait a second. Like, if I want to give your brother something, I can give him something. Because there's also times when I will just give her something and not her brother something. And what's amazing when that happens is she's never complaining when I just give her something. <laughs> as a matter of fact, excuse me, as a matter of fact, when I give her something, she walks in front of her brother like, <laughs> Yeah, that was my wife. Yeah, she's vicious. She'll cut you. She will. But it's this idea, uh, this is exactly what's happening in this story. The guys of the first group were like, hey, this is unfair. This is not right. We worked all day, and you paid us the same amount as people that just worked a couple hours. What's going on? And I love the response of the landowner. He's like, hey, it's my money. If I want to do it, I can do it. And then he ends with, because I'm kind. See, here's what we understand about parables in the Bible. Jesus, he spoke in parables, um, but with parables, there's always two constant themes in every parable. There's God somewhere in the parable, and then there's us in the parable. So in this parable that Jesus is talking about now with the landowner, guess who the landowner is? God. And guess who we are? We're the workers. And see, that makes so much sense to me now because how many times has God blessed, hashtag blessed someone else and we're looking over at them being like, God, what are you thinking? God, they don't even go to church. God, how are you blessing that they don't even tithe? And we look at people that are being blessed because we're not content and we're comparing and we're like, God, that is not fair. And here's what I love because God owns it all. He says, hey, I can do what I want. He said, this is my stuff. I own it all. And so if I want to give so-and-so something, I will give it to them. And guess what? You can't do anything about it. And part of me is like, oh, that's okay. But, but a big part of me, I'm, I'm thinking about this. And I'm like, God, they, they, don't, they don't, you know, like, I don't think they deserve I deserve it, God, like, I'm slaving for you, pastoring a church of people to love you. And um, 
And God's like, hey, it's my stuff. It's my stuff. But I love it because I feel like God is, is saying, like, even if, even if they may not deserve it, it doesn't matter because I'm kind. And here's what I love about that is that I know that if God is kind to someone else, he's also going to be kind to me. And so when I don't deserve a second chance, I thank God that he's kind. When I don't deserve forgiveness, I thank God that he's kind. When I don't deserve a second chance, I thank God that he's kind. When I don't deserve his provisions, I thank God that he's kind. Because though I don't deserve it, he is kind. And I am so glad that at the end of the day, I can rest content knowing that the God of the universe that holds everything, that owns everything, that is the giver of life, the giver of death, the giver of funds, the, the, the taker of funds, I'm so glad that he is kind and loving so that even when I don't deserve it, I can rest content because he owns it all. He owns it. Now it would be a completely different story if, if God was a God that was like, I'm going to bless you, sir. <laughs> I don't know about you. That would be a completely different story. But he's like, hey. I'm going to make it rain. With health. Come on, it's not all about... I'm going to make it rain with health. That marriage that you're working, make it rain. Come on, that confusion that you have, you're asking me. I'm going to make it rain. Why? Because he's kind. And I'm so glad that the God that owns everything is kind. And here's the last one. This is probably my favorite one. We're talking about the secret of contentment, how we can rest content. The first one is by just never forgetting what we have. Second one, understanding who owns it all. And then here's the third one. Live the bigger picture. Live the bigger picture. Live the bigger picture. I have a newborn, uh, for some of you guys that know, he's like six weeks now. Uh, it seems like he's been here forever. Um, <laughs> bless his heart, right? Like, um, and so I don't even know why I did that. Like, not even Catholic. Yo, we love you if you're here and you're Catholic. Um, and, and so like, he just like, he loves to cry. That's, he loves to cry, like that's his thing, right? And my wife's like, just embrace it. Like, I'm like, okay, embrace it. And so, like, I'm embracing his cry. And there's sometimes when, like, he's just, he's just, rah, rah, like, and he's just upset, right? And I love it because my wife and I were, like, trying to figure out, like, what do we do? What do you, like, why is he crying? And, and, my, and we're, like, in this middle of this crisis, this big picture idea and my little girl comes along and she's like, 
I'm looking for my toy. Really? Yeah, Daddy, have you seen my toy? Like, I'm trying to figure this big picture out, and here she is just coming with something so small. Like, maybe not to her, I get that, but in the moment, I'm trying to deal with something way bigger. And I was thinking about that. And I wonder if sometimes that's how we respond. This idea that we don't understand that there's a bigger picture in play. And because we don't understand that we're part of a bigger picture and we're part of something bigger, that we're always, we're always like discontent with what we have and, and it's just something so small. Like what if, what if we, we were able to jump into this big picture of understanding this big picture and understanding that what we're doing here on earth is way greater and way bigger than me worrying about what, what I don't have. Like what if, what if I can grasp, take hold of the idea that life is so much more than just stuff. What, what if I can take hold of this idea that life is just more than just what I have, what I don't have, what I wish I had, what, but there's something more. See, I, I think that if we can jump on mission with Jesus' heart, we become less focused about what we don't have and we, we jump on mission of what Jesus has called us to do. And we know what he's called us to do in John 10.10. 10. He, said, he said that I didn't come to serve or I didn't come to be served, but to serve and be a ransom for many. Like what if, and I'm just thinking, this is crazy, wild, you don't have to do this, but what if we could just become so focused with serving other people that we would forget about what we don't have and in turn rest content of what we do have. See, I think that there's something to this idea of serving. Like that's why when you go on a mission trip, if you've ever been on a mission trip, you serve there, you come back and you're like, oh my gosh, I have so much. I want to give it all away because I've seen people with so much less that I'm serving. There's something to serving. There's something to being on mission with the heart of Jesus. Let's take it a step further. What if we could not just serve people who need it, but what if, this is crazy, but what if we could learn to serve people that we know can pay our lunch and we're still serving them? Like what if we could serve people that we know are better off than we are and we still serve them? Man, you learn to serve when you learn that life is more 
than just what we don't have and what we want. But life is about mission of what Jesus came to do. I think you can rest content. I think when you serve, you can kick back and be like, thank you, Jesus, for what I do have. Serve. So how do we unlock, how do we unlock this? Three ways. Again, I'm going to go right through them. Focus on what you have. Understand it's all God's and live the bigger picture. Thank you for listening to Discovery Church Podcast. Remember, we will have a new message for you every Monday at 5 p.m. Make sure to like and subscribe and you will be notified when a new episode is ready for listening.